Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am great because I'm on a major football high. I mean, it's it's Wednesday as we record. Some of you will be listening to this on Thursday. Uh, so when y'all are listening to this, it'll it'll be practice eve. It is just, it just kind of hit me today, even though I've been kind of counting down the days I'm looking forward to. It hit me today, I mean, our 2020 football team practice. I mean, the team that we will play with on the field this fall, they're practicing tomorrow as you guys listen to this. That's that's crazy, and uh, it's so exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing the practice news, although you know, we do this every spring and every fall. We look so forward to the first day and all the news. Uh, thanks to this day of news traveling around pretty fast, there's, there's very few bombshells like in the old days. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, there, there's not a lot of bombshells. Uh, there was one interesting news tidbit that is Alabama related, um, but not necessarily up to date Alabama related, although I guess it could be. Uh, Rudy Griffin, the former defensive yep. lineman, was just named the head coach of Bessemer City. He takes over for Andrew Zal, who, as we mentioned yesterday, went on to uh, become the head coach at Silicaga. And so, I mean, it's pretty cool Alabama guy taking over for another Alabama guy. And in terms of Bessemer City, now I don't know that they've had anybody of late that's been a huge prospect, but they they do have some dudes. And so who knows? Could be interesting. It never hurts to have a, a guy that played for your team uh, in as an ace in the hole there in terms of recruiting. Um, but I'm, I'm looking back at, during, at the article right now uh, he was the defensive line coach for East Central Community College in Decatur, Mississippi last year, Griffin was. And so, hey, you know, I think good for him. I mean, it, you know, he may be able to move up the ranks a little bit and or maybe he'll make a great life for himself there in Bessemer City. Who knows? They've got some dudes, like I said. Yeah, great guy. Great super guy. Great story. He's our Rudy. Like Notre Dame's got their Rudy. We got ours. Similar stories. If I remember, Rudy Griffin, didn't he transfer from the Citadel? Uh, to That's Alabama right. to walk on and then eventually earned a starting role. Of course, of course, it wasn't exactly the height of Nick Saban's Alabama when he did that a little easier to do it uh, when we were sanctioned to death. But still, uh, great, great story, great guy, uh, really cool situation for the kids there. They'll be they'll be coached up well uh, in local high school news. I don't know if a Bammer will get the job or not. Maybe so, which would be nice because it's a, it's a primo job. But uh, the alma mater of Julio Jones, DJ Fluker, and Robert Lester Foley. That job came open today as Josh Niblett's brother, Tad Niblett, has resigned from Foley High School after five years. And uh, I don't know why. I mean, they haven't been winning. I, I don't know if that's the reason, but it's a good job. I think a lot of big-name coaches will be interested in it. It's tough to win there because of, of the, the, that community. I mean, they're rarely good. They're sometimes good, but they're rarely good. But – uh. It's a good job. It's Baldwin County school system. Uh, it's a lot of resources. You live 15 minutes from the beach. Um, yeah, oh, no, it's, it's a good job. And uh, it'll be interested to see who applies and who ends up. I would really call that Foley job, Luke. I would call it based on what it pays and the location. That might be one of the 10 best jobs in Alabama. You know, it really might be in, in yeah. terms of location and pay. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Uh, some other stuff that we didn't get to yesterday. We cut the podcast too early yesterday uh, to 
have this news, so this is sort of old news for most everybody. But uh, four Alabama players made All-SEC honors, with Kyra Lewis being first-team All-SEC basketball, John Petty second team. And um, then, uh, let's, oh, shoot, uh, for the freshman, it was Jaden Shackelford, and defensively it was Herb Jones making that that team. So, um, you know, good for them. Uh, John Calipari gets – coach of the year which you know frankly i probably would have given it to buzz buzz um buzz comes immediately to mind for me um you know i could even make a stronger case as much as i hate to say it for bruce pearl over john calipari i mean i I guess calipari gets he gets some uh some extra love because maybe he he won the SEC he's going to win it by at least he won it by two games or three games or something like that so i guess he gets a little extra love because he you know in the yeah. end kentucky sort of separated themselves but um it, it, you know he's got he had the player of the year uh in quigley and um he's good choice got, by the way yeah that, I was, mean, a, he's that was a heated that was a difficult award this year i, I thought there were several good candidates i would have gone with quigley too but but uh, Nick Richards, Skylar Mays, uh, Josh Perry, uh, you know, a lot of good – even Kyra. I mean, a lot of good uh, quality candidates to consider. Uh, a couple of different OBS, you know, frankly, would, would have been good candidates too. Well, and um, Eves Pons, whose name looks like a word jumble, um, he won the Defensive Player of the Year. And, look, I, you know, we're biased – it is what it is, but man, if Herb Jones doesn't get Defensive Player of the Year, I mean, you just sort of wonder what everybody's watching. I mean, yeah, I'm not trading. I mean, I'm I know. Not I, and Pons is good. Pons actually made a hell of a defensive play against us at our place. But ironically, I don't think Herb Jones played in that game. So, right. Um, you know, look. In the end, here's what it bothers you about. The good news is four of our guys made honorable team uh, selections. The bad news is we didn't do much with a team that had four dudes making those. The problem is it wasn't those four dudes. It's that two of those dudes were hurt for, you know, some key points yeah, in the season. Right. And the other dudes on the team about very much. I mean, right. that's what it boils down to. We had four pretty good dudes, you know, one maybe exceptional dude. But the, here's the second team All-SEC team. This is not a vintage second team all sec team here it is john petty so john petty's on the team isaac okoro who's again he's a very good player all freshmen should have been all defensive should have been but he's not what i would consider a vintage second team all sec player uh john petty in for that matter neither is Kerry blackshear jr who people thought was going to be the player of the year and he was okay uh anthony edwards um who was a freshman of the year and again that's awesome, but uh, you know he he averaged 19 points a game. Okay, he's pretty good. Therese Maxey, pretty good. Uh, Coach Tar from South Carolina, pretty good. Uh, Fulkerson from Tennessee, who came on late, pretty good. Saban Lee, who torched our ass, well, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he but, did. You know, I did that night. Yeah, he did. But I would say that this is not necessarily. Uh, a vintage second team all SEC team. And it just goes to show you that I think now I, I'd be fine if we just said, hey, look, we don't have second team members anymore. Because well, frankly, there's not a great pool to choose from. It's a good yeah. illustration as to why only four teams in the SEC are getting in the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah. I mean, there's only four teams projected in, right? Florida, Auburn, LSU, Kentucky. Uh, they'll be the only four in. I think we'll load up the NIT pretty good, but but, but there's only going to be four SEC teams in. And when you go over the all-conference team, it almost explains it. Now, I think there's a couple of guys on that list that are, that are, that are, are good potentially like like the Auburn kid, like the Georgia kid, but they're, they're prospects more than they're dominating players. I mean, you look at them and you're like, these guys are elite prospects that are going to get better and better because they're amazing athletes, but are they 20 points and, and, and 13 rebounds a night in SEC games? No, no, they're just more potential than anything else. And that's, again, that's what you have to judge a lot of these guys on because that's, you don't have a lot to work with. So, all right, Jimmy, let's talk about um, this coronavirus thing. And look, hey, I mean, look, I'm not getting technical because I can't, but I think that it's, it's pretty dead gum scary what's going on. Not so much. I'm not as scared of the virus as I am all the effects it's been having on the the economy, the stock market, people's attitudes in general. Um, and, you, you know, on, on the various coasts, on the left and right coasts, I mean, people are running out of stuff like toilet paper. I mean, what do they, they think Auburn's going to win the national championship? I mean, what, mm-hmm. why do you have to stock up on that? It's like uh, South Alabama Bell's uh, Kelly Swan, who's a great Alabama follow, just because she went to Alabama and she's funny. <laughs> she says, uh, she tweeted last night, I thought this disease affected your lungs, not your ass. What are y'all doing with all this toilet paper? <laughs> uh, but, you know, okay, so are you for uh, playing in venues with, with no crowds? Um, I, I'll tell you, I'm kind of mixed on it. I mean, I'm open I'm, to it. I'm, I'm open to it, but, Jimmy, i got to tell you, it, this, mm-hmm. it's not the same. And so I, if it's really that scary – then here's, why do we play the game? Well, here's this is what makes sense to me. And, you know, I'm an idiot. I mean, everybody that listens to me knows I'm an idiot. So I don't pretend like I have all the answers. In fact, I have all the wrong things to do. But this is my thought. If there is a discussion, for instance, let's use the SEC tournament as an example. If there's a discussion about should we let the, the public in to this game, should we have fans at the game or should we just play it with the players and put it on TV? Um. I think that decision does not need to be made by Greg Sankey. The decision does not need to be made by the head of officials for the SEC. It doesn't need to be made by the boss at Bridgestone Arena. It doesn't need to be made by the mayor of Nashville. Get three infectious disease doctors from Nashville. Three, so you get some opinions, and Sankey or whoever needs to talk to them. If the doctors say... This will save lives if you don't let people in here. Then, then they ought to do it. But do what the doctors are saying. I mean, I mean, it's just like any of us. I mean, when when you're sick and you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you things you can do to get better, listen to the doctor. And that's what I think we ought to do here. Listen to the doctors. Uh, don't listen. You make the biggest mistake of your lives if you listen to the politicians. They're idiots. They're not. They're not doctors. They're they've got a completely different agenda. Doctors' jobs is to keep the population and their patients as healthy as possible. So I would listen to the doctors. 
And, and, and not in terms of asking the doctors, should we allow people in or not? But ask them, if we allow people in, what's the real risk? What's the real risk? But ask doctors, not politicians. Now, that's, that's great advice from you. Uh, from a dumbass, yeah, I think that's, that's genius. That's rare. Um, Stop. Imagine that. And meanwhile, <laughs> I know it was wacky. I know it was a wacky idea. You know, I'm I'm sort of closing out windows for things to talk about here on my computer as as we're going back and forth. And I just noticed that Rudy Griffin was going to be the defensive coordinator for Rush Probst at USA Academy, which was going to be Alabama's version of IMG. And I didn't know this before. And now Rush Probst isn't going to be there. I don't even know if this USA Academy is still a thing, frankly. It I mean, it seems, seems to have fallen apart. It, it really does. Um, Here's it, another idea I mean, while I'm on a roll. Here's another idea yeah. while I'm on a roll. IMG, USA Academy, whatever. Hey, kids, be the best football player you can be and go to your local high school. And if your parents can afford to send you to a local private school and your parents think that's the best option for you and they can afford it, then do that. But don't 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 fly off to the other end of the state or the other end of the country to play high school sports. Go play sports with your friends, your friends in your neighborhood, the people you grew up with, the community you grew up in. Don't don't go. You, what it, you, you won't get seen more at IMG. We offered two kids this week from Highland Home, Alabama. Highland Home does not even have a traffic light. There is not a Walmart there. There's not a McDonald's. There's nothing there. And Alabama offered two kids from there. You do not need to go to IMG or Spanish Fort or Thompson to be noticed or coached. Stay home. Have fun with your friends. It's high school. Not everything is about pro football when you're 15 years old. So, end of rant. Very nice rant by you, I got to say. Thank you. On a roll. I'm, I, and I'm I'm pro that because it's funny, when you were talking about Foley earlier, um, the thought just ran through my head because, again, several thoughts run through my head when you're talking generally like at the beginning, and then I kind of lose track of whatever the hell you, <laughs> you're talking about. But yeah. I was thinking – So wow. do the judges in court. Well, you you were talking about Foley and how they – you know, sometimes they have some dudes or whatever. and and But, you know, kid, I wonder if Julio Jones were, say, you know, coming up through the high school yeah. ranks two yeah. years ago, would yeah. he have finished his high school career at Foley? Probably not. He probably no. would have ended up at some private school, you know, Mobile Christian or, you know, who knows? I mean, he might have made Actually, his way up to Hoover. I bet what would have happened – I mean, I have no idea, but I bet what would have happened is – you know, a lot of people know this. Julio grew up in Daphne, uh, where I'm from. Julio grew up in Daphne and moved to Foley in roughly the seventh grade. Uh, him and his mother and his brother, they moved to Foley when he was in the seventh grade from Daphne, which is just 25 minutes or so up the road. Um, I'm wondering now, since Foley football has been so bad, they don't really have a lot of good players. Uh, I wonder if Julio and his family would have moved back to either Daphne or Spanish Fort which is just so close by Foley, it would not have been hard to do. And both of those programs, Kenny King, former Alabama defensive lineman, is the head coach at Daphne, does a good job. And uh, uh, Blackman, Ben Blackman at Spanish Fort is one of the better high school coaches in the state. Uh, he's at Spanish Fort. They produce SEC prospects every single year now. Uh, so I, I bet he would have done that um, and not a private school thing based on their situation. 
But uh, one thing that Julio did benefit from, though, he came along at Foley at the same time. They had a good quarterback then. I remember thinking that guy was going to play Division One football somewhere. I think his name was Roosevelt Bird. And I don't think Rosie ever played big-time college football. He might have played for a small college, and I'm unaware of it. But Roosevelt was a quality high school quarterback. I mean, in terms of, like, Julio could get the ball. Roosevelt could, could get it to Julio down the field. He wasn't awesome, but he's pretty – he's better than most. And when you're a pure wide receiver – people don't know this about Julio. I saw Julio play a ton in high school. People don't know this uh, about Julio, but uh, he, he, he played he, – he had a really good quarterback at Foley, and that allowed him to play wide receiver his entire career. Julio didn't play quarterback. He didn't play running back. He wasn't in the Wildcat. He didn't play on defense. All these things you would think in high school football the best athlete on the field would do, that didn't happen. I think Julio developed well and early because Foley's situation allowed Julio to play just straight-up wide receiver, and that's all he did, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. He might have played some safety at the, at the end of games to kind of seal a win, but, but other than that, uh, Julio was a straight-up wide receiver, and, and that probably really helped in his development. But he had a quality quarterback, Roosevelt Bird, like I said, and uh, Roosevelt Bird, I think, uh, was a big part of Julio's early development. So where you play in high school is helpful. You don't want to play in a situation where you can't improve or get better. But too many kids and their parents, uh, they move thinking it's going to be a real benefit to them. And I, I bet most of the time it's really not. It's, it's, it's not worth the trouble. All right, so we got Tennessee tomorrow, Jimmy. Um, they're favored by one. I, I mean, I think that's probably a little low. Uh, by the time we cut the podcast for Friday, the game will be over. Um, I think, I, I, you know what, all this time change and when we do podcasts gets me screwed up sometimes. Bottom line is, what do you think happens tomorrow? I will not be surprised at anything. I'm going to predict an Alabama win. I think the extra day of rest. I, I'm I'm subscribing to the theory that we ran out of gas at the end and, and there's just nothing left in the tank after only eight or nine guys played an entire season of up-tempo basketball. I think the extra day of rest, we hadn't played since Saturday. We got to rest Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, I think a, a revitalized Alabama team will look impressive and get some revenge and beat Tennessee on Thursday. Then a Alabama team completely out of gas gets wiped out by the Kentucky Wildcats on Friday, sending Alabama to the NIT. To sweet Mother Earth, we don't accept an NIT bid. <laughs> no, we will. I, I mean, you know, I, I, get, I hear that talk all the time. I know Alabama's never turned one down. Other than a team that just fired their head coach and is in a coaching search, other than that, has anyone ever turned down the NIT? Yeah, I think so. I don't have any. I don't have any uh, examples. But I'll say this: this year is a little different. First of all, we are completely banged up, and I mean, yeah. it's not going to get better trying to make a run in the NIT. And I don't want another Norfolk State situation. Secondly, with all this. Even if we get a home game, we're going to have so few fans that it's going to right. feel like the coronavirus is there anyway. So, I mean, I, I say that we just – look, let's call this season a season and move on if that's what happens, if your scenario is what happens. Because I don't want to risk anybody else getting hurt any else any worse than they already are. Let's reevaluate if we can squeak by, uh, you know, Cleveland State and, and then maybe a Providence. 
All right, everybody, we've obviously had a lot of uh, technical difficulties this time. I hope I've edited it to some degree of listenability. But, uh, Jimmy, I think we'll just call uh, it a day and uh, move on from there and try and do better tomorrow. How about that? Jimmy's silence is deafening because uh, now we've lost Jimmy. So that'll do it. Roll tight, everybody. We'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs>